You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Today, uh, it's my privilege to open God's word with you. Uh, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 5. We're going to look in two places in the book of Joshua. But we're going to start in Joshua chapter 5. The message title is Living at the Next Level. Living at the Next Level. We have uh, made some adjustments as a church to really make room for uh, people to, to, to come to Christ, to be impacted, uh, and, and to see God move in our midst. And I just believe anytime we make room for God, He just loves to fill that. Uh, anytime we make space for Him to uh, lead the way, uh, you know, we, we sing about Him being the way maker, and no matter where you're at in life, He is the one. If you'll let Him lead the way, He can get through any obstacle. There's no challenge too great for God. There's no need too great for God. He can make a way. Uh, today, Joshua chapter 5, uh, just to kind of set this up, the, the namesake of this book, Joshua, is uh, the successor to Moses, who has, uh, under God's direction, led Israel out of four centuries of slavery in Egypt. They have been set free by a display of God's miraculous supernatural power in bringing the most powerful nation, Egypt, to its knees and raising up the Israelites who had been slaves in bondage there to bring them back to a place uh, that God had always promised them, that he had told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this land I would give to you, the land of Canaan. And so God brings uh, an entire a group of people, Israel, out of slavery, out of Egypt, and he brings them through the desert, through the wilderness, for preparation, transformation, but ultimately he's wanting to bring them into the promised land. But as you may know the story, an entire generation doesn't believe God's promise and doesn't obey God's command and actually turns back at the Jordan River just short of where God had intended to bring them. I don't want to live short of anything that God has for me. I want to experience all that God has promised, all that God has planned. I want to step into all that God's made available. And, and so Joshua's generation would be the one the next generation would be the one led by Joshua that would leave the desert, and for 40 years they've wandered in the desert, and yet now it's time for Joshua to lead them in. They cross the Jordan River, and in Joshua chapter 5, we find them on the, on the verge of taking the very first city of the land of Canaan, that's the city of Jericho. Joshua chapter 5, verse 10, now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal. And they kept the Passover, a feast of the Lord. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And it says in verse 11, they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Why is it going through what they're eating? Well, this is why. Verse 12, then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. You know, for most of us, we read through this and go, oh, that's kind of a side note. Why is that important? You know, but this isn't, this is significant when you recognize that Israel for 40 years has had food supernaturally provided. God for 40 years has not ceased, has not failed to provide what's called, and if you don't know what manna is, the name manna literally means what is it? 
So they didn't know what it was either. It was just good. And so sometimes you don't know what it is that God's doing, but you just know it's good because he's good. And so they call this bread that they would gather every day. God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cause this manna to come and, and be on the ground, and you're going to collect it every day. And so for 40 years, God supernaturally, miraculously provided food for them. But now they're in a change of seasons. Now they're in a change of, of experience, and it's not less than, it's actually just different. Uh, they're going to the next level, not in a way that's, uh, that's you know, discarding the old. See, when the manna, see, the, I believe the purpose for the manna, and really everything they found in the wilderness season of their, of their journey, was about learning dependence upon God. See, in Egypt, they had been dependent as slaves, but it was a wrong dependence. They were wrongly dependent and dependent on something that was harsh and destructive, uh, that, that, that wasn't life-giving, that was ultimately a trap and a snare. And so God set them free from Egypt, and their dependence would change. All they had known was the idols of Egypt, the statues, the images, the, the Pharaoh, king of Egypt that was worshipped as a god, but now they were finding the living God, and God was making them dependent upon one that would give them life, that would give them a hope and a future. And there's seasons of our life where we have to learn, where it seems like everything else is stripped away, and it's in that place that we learn that God was all we ever needed, especially when we find that he's all we have. God was all I needed. When there was nobody else there, when there was nothing else available, God was all I needed. He was more than enough, and God supernaturally provided, and they're learning dependence. But as God brings them into the promised land, they're not discarding the need for dependence, but God is adding something to that foundation. There's never a time in my life where I outgrow my need of dependence on God. Are you with me? Do you know that I can't save myself, and neither can you? It's only Jesus. The only way we get to heaven is through what Jesus has paid for on the cross, that Jesus paid for my sin and yours through his sacrificial death and through his resurrection has made a way for us to pass from death to life ourselves. Jesus is the only answer. He's the only hope. He is the only, not only way to heaven, he is the only answer. And so it's that place of dependence that all of us find a need of, and we never grow beyond that, but we do grow in our responsibility. And as God adds responsibility to our lives, it's always about bringing us, and, and, and we see this in, in a lot of areas. We, we know that, that in life we grow from, from one stage of experience to another. So as a parent, you know, we, we start with our kids in total absolute dependence as infants, and then they begin to grow, and, and there's certain things that are cute that they do when they're little that aren't cute when they're big. <laughs> are you with me? Like, there's some stuff they go, oh, that's so cute, and then they're still doing it four years later, like, that ain't cute anymore. <laughs> Knock it off. No. <laughs> And you just realize that because there's a growth process in their lives. And as a parent, my goal is that they grow to a place where I've not only poured into them and taught them, but they're now stepping into what God has placed in their life. And that's true in all of us, that God wants to grow us as a, as a good father. He grows us, and we never outgrow our dependence upon God. We always have that place. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So in relationship to Jesus, but then God invites us into something that Israel is about to experience. The manna ceased on the day they planted, on the day they began to eat of the produce of the land. God was shifting them from a place of gathering manna to now they were going to have to sow. 
Now they were going to have to prepare the ground. Now they were going to have to co-labor. God would still be their source. That never changed. They needed God as much in that season as they did in the previous season. But now they knew who their source was. They knew that he was unfailing and for 40 years had provided manna from heaven. And now God would meet them. And I've got three points for you today as we look into this story. Number one is this. It's time to grow to the next level. What does that look like in your life? What does it look like to grow in your faith? What does it look like to grow in your love walk? I know sometimes we think, you know, I'm, I'm doing really good loving people, and then all of a sudden somebody shows up. Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You know, you, you experience a new uh, relationship that, that tests your, the level of love you've experienced, and, and it's time to, to come up. It's time to grow. Uh, it's time, and, and in this moment, you know, we, we see this in athletics. There's new levels of performance as we move up in different levels. We see this in business as we expand and grow. There's, a, there's, new, there's new methods we have to use. There's new things that, that, that occupy our, our time and our attention. And, you know, as a believer, we have to recognize that we're always meant to be growing. The Bible says we go from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. The Christian life is not a static thing. It's tragic whenever we stay still when we're called to grow. God has always intended that we grow, and what does it look like for your faith to grow? What does it look like for your character to grow? You know, there's some things that, that weren't bad things, but they were no longer a part of my life as I began to grow close to God and stepping into what God had for my life. There were certain things that, that, that just in my time and my attention that I could no longer give myself to because there was a much better yes after I had to say no to some things. Are you with me? And whenever we go to another level in our life, whenever we grow in our faith, whenever we move forward with God, there's seasons that change. And Israel finds that, you know, it was, it was routine now after 40 years. They're used to the manna. But now God was moving them to a place of responsibility. He was moving them from a place of just receiving to a place of occupying territory that was the promise of God. It was going to mean that there would be some fights they would have to engage in. There'd be a battle for their promise. It was one thing to receive in the wilderness. It was another thing to fight for the promise. But God was growing them. God was causing them to advance in their faith. And maybe God's stretching you in this season too. God wants to bring us to a place of learning to, to, to work with him in the purpose of God, to cooperate, to say yes to the plan of God to respond first in dependence, but then in a place of responsibility to say, God, what are you calling me to do and how do I engage in it? I think you and I are a part of a generation that's just like the Joshua generation. What others have talked about, we're supposed to step into. What others have prayed for, we're supposed to step into, but it's going to take us doing what these people do. They're going to to respond to God differently. They're going to move to the next level. Verse 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. So now he's kind of spying out the city they're about to take. He lifted his eyes and he looked and behold, a man stood opposite, opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and here's what Joshua said to him. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And so he responds, this figure that's standing there with a sword drawn responds, 
And he says, no. Are you for us? Are you on our side or are you on their side? I mean, we get that, right? If you don't know, you know, this is actually a manifestation of the presence of God there. The angel of the Lord, God himself, has stepped in. He says, as the commander of the Lord's armies, I've come. And, and, and here's what this interaction with Joshua, Joshua is trying to figure out, well, how do I take this city? How do I, what strategy do I use? What plan do I use? What method do I use? And as he's spying out the city of Jericho, the first city that they would take in the promised land, he has an encounter with the Lord. And his question initially, not yet recognizing the significance of this God moment, this God encounter, says, are you with us or with them? You got your sword drawn. I don't know if you're here to fight me or you're here to help me. I, I know we want God to take sides sometimes. You ever, you ever pray, God, show my wife that I'm right? Mark and I. You ever, you ever pray that? You ever, you ever, just don't pray that out loud in front of your spouse. Okay. We say, God, you know, my team's got to win. God, are you for the Packers or the Vikings? No. I'm sorry, I just lost half the room. Okay. He says, are you for us or for our adversaries? The issue is not whether or not God was on their side or Jericho's side. The issue was who's on God's side. And that's still the issue. That's still the issue in every generation. That's still the issue in my life and yours is not trying to convince God to, to agree with me, not trying to convince God to, to, to do things my way. It's recognizing that I need to be on his side following his plan because his plan is so much better than my plan. And when I do things my way, I get my results, sometimes not only limited, but an absolute train wreck. But when I follow God's plan, it's so much better because his plan leads to freedom. His plan leads to joy. His plan leads to real peace. His plan brings real fulfillment. Are you with us or with our adversaries? You know, when one king invades or enters the territory of another king, there's usually only two responses. You either surrender or fight. And in this moment, Joshua has a choice. I'm either going to say yes, to, I'm either going to surrender or I'm going to fight this figure who's got his sword drawn. Can I just tell you, when you know who your God is, you have no problem saying yes and surrender. See, in the world, we don't understand that because surrender is always defeat. It's just if you surrender, you lose. But, but in God's economy, in God's kingdom, surrender is the only way to victory. Like, it's actually the only way to freedom. It's the only way to the answer. And so Joshua has to get that in this moment. And so here's what he says. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped. That's how we know this is more than just any other figure. And this is God himself there. And he says, what does the Lord say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Number two, point number two, if you're taking notes, is new levels start with a fresh encounter with God. I wasn't sure how to word this, but I, I like the word fresh because anybody like fresh bread? It's early service, so I, I can get away with talking about food, maybe. I, I don't like stale bread. I like fresh bread. 
And I think there's just something about that. You just know something fresh, it's good, it's better. And, and that's unfortunately not always translated to our walk with God, our faith. We, don't, we live off of an old experience with God instead of knowing that God wants to meet us today. God wants to do something new today. Joshua had already encountered God many times before. He had already prayed. He had already sought the face of God. He had already experienced God's presence meeting with Moses. And Joshua, as a young man, would sit at the tent just to get as close as he could while Moses talked with God and God with him. And Joshua's not unfamiliar with the presence of God. But in this moment, he had to see something different. He had to see something about God that he hadn't seen before. What does he find out? That he's not the commander of the Lord's armies. God is. That in the very thing that he was to do in that season, to have it work, to have it be successful, he had to recognize that God was the one in charge. I, I'm a father. But I know that my family doesn't belong to me, they belong to God. And whatever area I'm responsible for in my life, it's a good thing to remember, God is the one who's in charge. And, and here in this moment, he has a moment with God, a, and, and I say a, a fresh encounter, because what does that mean? He's, he's meeting God. You know, God wants us to encounter him in, a, in his word every day. Some people read the Bible to prove an argument. I read the Bible to encounter God, to grow in my faith, to have my, to, you know, I talked about this last week. We need something outside of ourselves to help us know ourselves. <laughs> We have to have something outside of ourselves to help us know the way forward that tells us the truth when we believe a lie. And that's his word. And so I've got to have his word to encourage me when I want to quit. I have to have his word to, to, to strengthen me when I feel weary. I need his word to challenge me. But I need to encounter him every day through his word. I can encounter God. You can encounter God through prayer through worship, through all these means by which we draw near to Jesus. The great promise of God's word is draw near to God and he will, not might, not maybe, he will draw near to you. But this isn't something that happened 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. It has to be something that's real to you today because you need a new encounter with God for what God wants to do today. You need, you need a fresh encounter with his word today. You need a fresh encounter in prayer today. And so that's where Joshua is. He's with the Lord and he needs to know. But the purpose of this encounter is not just to meet God, it's to have God give his plan. And can I just tell you, God's about to unfold something for Joshua that Joshua would have never come up with in a million years. Joshua could have gotten a, he could have gone to, they didn't have these, but he could have gone to West Point and got the best strategy for how to conquer an enemy. He could have read all the best books about how to take a city. He could have done all the things he knew how to do, could have come up with the best plan, but he never would have come up with what God tells him to do. Not in a million years. Can I just tell you, time with God will give you things that you wouldn't find any other place. Will give you plans and wisdom and strategies. You know, I've had moments, to be honest, where... I, I didn't feel equipped as a dad. Anybody else besides me? Two of us, okay. And I've literally had, I've had moments where I've asked God, God, what do I do about this? And I start praying, and I've had moments where God would begin to show me something to do differently. 
or how to respond differently or, or something to a different approach with one of my kids. And so I've got three children. They're all different. And, and so, so it's important to go to God and ask for wisdom. It's important to go to ask, you know, you can go, God wants you to go to him, not just about church stuff, not just about what you think is spiritual, because it's all God's. <laughs> not just Sunday mornings, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. God cares about everything, and he wants to reveal himself, and he wants to show you his good and perfect plan. And so he's talking to him, but here's what he tells him. He says, take off the sandals on your feet. Same thing he told Moses at the burning bush. It's something that's mentioned as a response from a man, a person encountering God, to take off something that is getting in the way of an encounter with a holy God. He's to remember in this moment God is holy, and you're to adjust some things because you're stepping into a place where that's occupied by holiness. And so he takes the sandals off his feet. Now, why is that important? Because on his journey, his sandals collected dirt, collected dust that couldn't be brought into the presence of God. You can't take everything into the presence of God. You can't take pride in. Let me say that again. You can't take pride in. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. When I recognize, God, I need you. And I lay my pride down and I draw near to God. I find the grace that I need to empower my life, to strengthen my life, to restore my life. I can't bring pride in. I can't bring offense in. I can't bring the shame and the pain and the dirt and the hurt and what people said. I've got to lay that before God because if I don't, it'll get in the way of me recognizing him responding to him. Some people have a hard heart towards God because of what people have done. And the answer is the same for all of us. Take off the sandals. <laughs> the Bible says this in Colossians. Let me read this to you. Colossians, or no, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter four. But you have not so learned Christ, verse 20. If indeed you've heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Do you know what the battle is in our generation? It's the same as it's been since the beginning in a garden. So what's true? And, and, and there's this expression you often hear, this is my truth. And listen, my truth can't do anything for you, but his, he is truth. <laughs> and, and it says here, the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. So, so you set something aside to take up something much better. Put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Something's happening in this moment that's more important than even Jericho for Jacob, or for Joshua, excuse me. What's more important for Joshua than, than, than taking a city is him being transformed. Because it's impossible to encounter God in a very real way and not be changed by the encounter. It's impossible to have his word penetrate deep on the inside of your heart and not be changed by it. People that just read the Bible to win an argument get really critical. But people that have God's word transform them. 
People that allow the Holy Spirit to, to bring freedom and truth to every lie and replace it with God's truth. When, when, we, when we allow God to do what he does and in the presence of God, we're transformed in the same image, the Bible says, from glory to glory as we behold him. As that happens, we're changed by it. It's kind of, you see this with, I, I remember, you know, even, even in grade school when I would be, you know, my friends would get around a new group of kids, a new group of peers, they would start to talk like them. They start to act like them. They start to pick up things because you become like what you are around. And when I'm around him, <laughs> when I'm in God's presence and when I spend time with Jesus, something happens, it changes me. And can I just tell you, it's transformed people that transform families. It's transformed people that transform cities. So God starts with us. For Joshua to be the one that would take the city and God to give him the plan that he would give him, God wanted to do something in his life. And he says, take off your shoes for this is holy ground. Take off the shoes. You know, Joshua, 40 years before, Joshua, 40 years before, Jason, if you want to come up, 40 years before, was with Caleb, a spy. And Joshua and Caleb spied out the promised land and saw that everything that God had said about it was true, that it was good. And what God was going to do there was good. The problem was there were other spies that went with them. And there were other spies that came, and here's what they did. They saw the same promise. They saw that the land was good, but you know what they also saw? They saw giants in the land. They saw walls that were too big to overcome. They saw the problem instead of the God who called them. And Caleb, who kind of spoke up in an occasion with Jacob, or Joshua, I keep calling him Jacob. He's with Joshua, and here's what he says. We're well able to take this. Why? Because God's with us. The 10 other spies saw the same cities, the same need, the same promised land, and they turned back and they poisoned everyone's view from faith to fear, from faith to unbelief. And they said, we can't do it. Here's why we can't do it. Because we were, when we saw the enemy, we were like grasshoppers in our eyes and so we were in theirs. We can't take the promised land. I don't care what God said, we can't do it. And God said of Caleb, and I believe this applies to Joshua as well, because they're the only two people out of that entire generation that God could bring back. And here's what he said, there's something different about them. There's a different spirit in Caleb. There's, a, there's something different in these. The third point and final point, if you're taking notes, is we need to grow our faith to unleash our faith. Revelation 1, verse 5 says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Aren't you thankful for that, church? Aren't you thankful that he forgave you and set you free? gave you a future and a hope. He forgave you of your sins. 
but he's also done something with you. He doesn't just forgive us, he makes us. <laughs> he made us, look at this behind me, made us kings and priests to God. Something happens, and I believe this is what God's doing when he moves you to the next level. He's, he's taking you from being an orphan to being a son. To being, from being an orphan that approaches everything through what you can't have or what's not there to a son and a daughter of God that know I'm, I'm his. My God will never leave me, never forsake me. To go from being a slave to a king because as slaves in Egypt, they were dependent on the Egyptians, but as kings, they were to take ground that belonged to the promise. And Joshua saw what no one else could see. Caleb saw what no one else could see because they had encountered a God who was greater than any wall. And maybe you don't remember the plan, but here's what God tells them. I want you to gather Israel and I want you to walk around the city of Jericho. Do it six times, six days. And then on the seventh day, do it seven times. And so Joshua relays this information to the Israelites and he says, I don't want anybody to say anything until the end. Why? Because Joshua knows people. He knows after six days of walking in a circle, there's gonna be people that are going, what are we doing? Joshua has lost his mind. But God gave him a plan Joshua would never have come up with on his own. Maybe God wants to give you a plan for something in your life that you would never come up with on your own, but when you meet with God, everything changes. I'm asking you to stand to your feet. They went around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, God told them, I want you to shout. Blow the trumpets and shout. Because faith is not just what we believe, it's our response to what we believe. And in that moment, they were to shout because of victory. Before the walls had even come down, before the city had even been taken, God said, shout. You don't shout until the victory's won. You don't shout until the battle's over. He said, shout before you see the walls come down. And you know the story. They blew the trumpets and then they began to shout and they cried out after seven days of marching and going in a circle, but they followed the plan. God brought the walls down. I'm gonna ask you today, what obstacles in front of you? What challenges in front of you? Let's let God give us the plan. Maybe today you need a fresh encounter with God. I'm asking our prayer team to come down. You need a fresh encounter with God and a fresh word from God. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to quit over the years, but just one minute in God's presence began to change everything. Maybe you have a need in here that's too great for you, but I can just let you know today, it's not too great for God. It's not too great for God. Those walls came down as they began to shout as they began to declare the promise and the goodness of God. I'm asking you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We'll be out here in just a moment. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. 
To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.